Hey church, my name is Mark. And I'm Margot. And thanks so much for joining us today. We've got a couple of announcements for you. First, uh, prayer. Prayer is such a powerful tool for us to communicate with God and with others. So if at any point during the service you want to request prayer, you can click on request prayer and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there. And during the week, if you find yourself in need of prayer, check out the prayer page on our website. We have a team of people that would love to pray with you. Um, So that's available as well. Uh, Something also that's super cool coming up, Easter weekend. We love Easter at Christ Community. Uh, We have services available on uh, Saturday, April 3rd at 5.30 and 7 p.m. for in-person services. And then Sunday in-person services are at 8.30 and 11 a.m. And our online Easter services will be at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. We also have Good Friday services available on Friday, April 2nd at 5.30 and 7 p.m. And our online Good Friday service will be at 7.30 p.m. We do just ask that if you are coming in person that you would reserve your spot online at Christ Community's website since space is limited and slots are filling up. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us again today, everyone. Uh, Let's go ahead and worship together now. So whether you're with us online or in person, we just wanna welcome you. We're so glad you're here. I just wanted to share a story briefly from the book of Luke, and it's, it's about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And as such, he was not a popular person. In fact, he was probably hated by most people. But in this story, Jesus actually goes to his house and eats with him. And this draws criticism from those witnessing this. They say, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But for Zacchaeus, it's transformational. This action by Jesus has changed his life. In fact, he gives away half of what he owns to the poor and pays back fourfold what he had cheated from other people in the past. And at the end of that story, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And I just love that about Jesus, that in spite of our sin, he still shows us this incredible compassion and kindness. There's a song that we're gonna be singing tonight that talks about him always chasing after us because that's his heart. That's who he is, that's why he came. And it's so incredible we have a God who loves us to this degree. So please stand with us as we worship the God who seeks and saves. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony oh 
the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father, our God will finish what He started. Yeah, our God will finish what He started. Oh, this is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony.
praise him for how holy he is and declare that he is our King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
broken we are, you take every piece and you fix us. We are not too far gone, God, for you to grab a hold of us and to change us. So God, we are so thankful for you. We are so grateful for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Can you guys join me in thanking our worship team for leading us today? So um, you guys are the live studio audience also, and we've got a great group of people watching us online this weekend, so would you guys welcome our online church too? Let's say hello to them for us. So it is great to be with you today. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my privilege to be able to talk with you guys today. Um, so let me start by wishing you a happy spring break, huh? Um, yeah, how many of you are on spring break? You're in the room. Woo, yeah. So teachers, you guys, what a year, huh? Um, you made it to spring break. I think you're gonna make it to the end. We're, we're proud of you and thankful for the work that teachers and administration are putting in on behalf of our kids. Kids, you need a break too. Right? You, just, you know, we all need a break, so hopefully you're getting some spring break. Um, happy Palm Sunday weekend. That's it's pretty cool to be Palm Sunday. That was less enthusiastic in the room for you guys who are at home. Um, yeah, there we go. I don't know why you're cheering about that. We don't have any palm fronds or anything in the room for you. Um, this is actually, so, so Palm Sunday is a great weekend for us to be talking about what we're gonna talk about today. I was thinking about it for just a few minutes while we were, while we were singing over here. And um, so Palm Sunday is about Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem. And the prophet Zechariah, when he prophesied about Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem, one of the things he said to him, he said about him was your king is coming righteous and victorious, lowly, like humbly riding on a little donkey. So totally different image than what anybody would have thought about a king riding in righteous and victorious, like he should have been on a big steed, you know, with army around him, and this king rides in humbly, lowly on a donkey. So just kind of keep that picture in mind as we talk through what we're going to talk about today, because we're wrapping up this series that we've been in for the last several weeks about our vision as a church. So this is week five of our series on our new vision statement that has come through the congregation, a bunch of work that was done uh, for the last couple of years, and then the leadership has taken all that work and kind of distilled it into a vision statement for us, which is really establishing our, our priorities and our pursuit 
for the next few years as a church. And so what we have, like we just declared this to be our vision, we wanna be a church of generous people who honor Jesus by loving each other and serving our neighbors. And so we've talked about being a church, we've talked about being generous people, we've talked about honoring Jesus, we talked last week about loving each other, and today I wanna talk with you about serving our neighbors. So so we've got this vision statement, and I I don't know, I know like I'm the pastor, so maybe I, I see this a little differently than some of you do, but I read this, and part of my prayer in all this is like, Lord, we wanna be a great church. You know, we wanna be a great church. And, and it would be really cool if the people who consider our church home, their spiritual home, if, if they said, man, Christ Community is a great church, and it'd be, be pretty cool if the people who are in our community but don't necessarily go here, if when they drove past our building or saw some people with our, you know, one of our shirts or something on, um, if they said Christ Community is a great church, but, but really when, when we think like we wanna be a great church, what would, what would be the best in all of that is like if the Lord looks down from heaven and sees Christ community and says, hey, that's a great church. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong, from the Bible, I don't think there's anything wrong with having that ambition of being a great church. I think, I think we've gotta watch where that ambition comes from and which direction it takes us, but as long as it's a Godward ambition and our pursuit of it is a God-honoring pursuit, I think, like, I think we have great opportunity for the Lord to look down from heaven at his people here and say, man, that is, that is a great church. And, and the Bible's really clear about like, what greatness is. It's not about selfish ambition. We gotta watch that, we have to check that. It's, it's a Godward ambition, and the path to greatness really in the Bible is serving. And so we, we need to talk as part of our vision. We need to talk about but being a church, being people who are part of a church that serves our neighbors near and far. And so I'm really excited to talk about this with you. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. This and money probably are probably two favorite subjects to talk about. So you guys are ducking for cover in the room, it's okay. Um, so I wanna, I wanna give you a little summary statement of, of what I hope to say and what I hope you come away with today as we talk about this subject of serving. So. So the good news about Jesus, if you just hold on to this and and we'll talk about it for a little bit, but the good news about Jesus flows most freely from the lesser to the greater. The good news about Jesus flows most freely from the lesser to the greater. So this week as I was prepping for our time together, I ran this line by Marie and she said, "Um, you're gonna have to explain that. And I thought, well, then I need to put it at the front end of the message, not the back. So you guys, I'm like, all right, I got 30 minutes to tell you what this means here. So, um, but, but the good news about Jesus really does, it flows most freely from the lesser to the greater. So I wanna unpack this by showing you a few things that Jesus said, and, and we'll talk through those a little bit, and then we'll kind of land on some practical habits and attitudes that you and I as people who wanna be part of a great church and follow in Jesus' footsteps, being a servant, like that we should hold on to, all right? So if you would, um, if you have a Bible, you wanna turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus is talking to his disciples and the subject of greatness has come up and he makes this statement to them that is, 
that is remarkable. He says, um, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is doing something kind of subtle here in, in this verse. He's talking about himself. And one of, well, the title he used for himself more than any other title was Son of Man. And, and so there's a lot of conversation amongst Bible scholars of what Jesus was talking about, what he was referring to there when he said Son of Man. And, and so if you look back into the scriptures that Jesus read, the Old Testament, there was this prophet named Ezekiel that God spoke to in, in that, that book of Ezekiel over 90 times. God calls Ezekiel Son of Man. And, and when he calls him that, really what he's saying is human being. You know, so he's, he's identifying his humanity in that. And so, so when Jesus refers to himself as son of man, part of what he's, he's referring to his humanity. He's the son of God and he is the son of man. So he is the God man. But he's also doing something else. And this is where the subtle part kicks in. There's this prophecy that Daniel, so you've heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den. If you've ever heard that in Sunday school, that Daniel, the guy who got thrown in the lion's den and the lions didn't eat him. So Daniel in the lion's den, that Daniel had a vision and he references the son of man. And I just wanna show you these verses in Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. He's recording this vision. He says, my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will, not, that will never be destroyed. So if we go back to what Jesus was saying in Mark chapter 10, it's recorded for us there in a couple of other places, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If, with that little subtlety in mind, this is, a, this is a remarkable statement. This great king, this eternal, immortal one, who is, who is king of all forever, the Son of Man, he came to earth not to be served. You see, the, the radicalness of that statement because when kings show up, they show up to be served. Apart from Jesus, I don't think any of us have any frame of reference for, for what's going on here. When, when the greatest, the greater shows, when they walk onto the scene, the greater is there for the lesser to serve them. But Jesus turned this thing upside down in his coming. He said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and his service would culminate in giving his life as a ransom for many. And so, so here we have this model, and really this is, this, is a, um, this is a model for ministry. If you think of it as a church, or as a person who is in ministry, the, the, 
ministry means to serve, to minister to somebody. Here, he came as a servant, not to, not to be served, but to serve, humble, lowly, riding on a donkey. Your king has come to you. And so it's just this amazing model that Jesus has given to us, ministering to us, serving us. He says something that's pretty similar that Luke records in Luke 22, starting in verse 27, he's talking to his disciples and he, just, he asks them this question. He says, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is not the one who is at the table. Like, yes, it is. The, one, the greater is the one who's sitting at the table. The lesser is the one who serves. And then Jesus says, but I am among you as one who serves. And I don't know if you write in your Bible or you highlight your phone or however you do that. What you're, I've, I've got that double underlined with an arrow pointing at it. I am among you as the one who serves. So when Jesus came, his agenda was to serve. And so, so first in that is like, wow, you, that, that the eternal, immortal Son of God, God the Son, would show up on this earth in human form to serve. Wow. Even if you've heard that your whole life and that's so familiar to you, you're like, Daryl, you're belaboring this point. Like, could we just, like, let's just stop for a second and think about that. He, he didn't come here to, to receive a kingdom and a bunch of, like, he didn't show up and, and sit on a throne. He came to serve. And, and so I think about, okay, so wow. And then the second question of that is why? Why would, he, why would he approach that way? Why would he do it that way? And the only answer that I can come up with from the Bible to that is love. It's love. He, first of all, his love for the Father. Because one of the things that's really clear as you read through Jesus' earthly life, his suffering, his death, he was glorifying the Father. That was, he was on mission from his Father, our Heavenly Father. He was on mission, and his goal was first and foremost to, to be obedient to and to honor his Father because he loves his Father. And so, so love for the Father is first, and then love, second of all, love for us. That he, that he looked at, at people like you and me and and out of love for us and to meet us at our moment of deepest need, to the, at the point of deepest need, he was willing to come and to serve us. And so, so he steps into a human body, our existence, this reality, and he, he came not as one who is great, but as one who is lesser, and he came to serve us. And I just, those, those words keep echoing through my mind. I am, like, I'm here, I'm among you as one who serves. And, and so that was Jesus's, that was his, that was his, that was his mission, that was his idea, that was his MO. And so I was reading through and trying to figure all this out and working through these things, and I thought, okay, so, so there's something important here for us to grasp, and that is our salvation, Okay, our salvation 
there is a strong connection between our salvation and Jesus serving. <laughs> our salvation doesn't happen without Jesus serving. There's a strong connection between serving and salvation. And so Jesus came here to serve and as people who represent him, one of the things that I'm thinking is okay, so Jesus, he came to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and there is a strong connection between serving and salvation. Jesus came for the purpose of rescuing people. And so I was thinking through the gospels, you know, the stories of Jesus' life, the account of Jesus' life. And I just I made a list of the different ways that he served people. He saw marginalized people and he treated them with kindness and dignity. That's incredible. If you, if you have not read the accounts of Jesus' life, I would highly recommend it, but as you do, just notice how Jesus treated people that other people wanted nothing to do with. He, he had an eye for those people. He had a heart for the people who were on the outskirts and he treated them with dignity and with kindness. It's amazing to see what he did. Um, he healed sick people. He touched people who were untouchable. He put his hands on people that nobody else would touch to see his compassion, he fed hungry people. He blessed kids, which doesn't sound like that much at our day and time, but kids were just kinda underfoot in Jesus's culture, especially when the adults were and around. And so, but Jesus stopped and he paid attention to children. They were important to him. I mean, he cast out demons, which means he got up close and personal with people because of spiritual things that were going on were really the other people didn't want to be around them or were afraid of them, didn't know what to do with them. And Jesus just kind of walked into their existence and again, treated them with kindness and with dignity. And he, and he had power and cast out demons. He raised the dead. Um, one of my favorite statements about Jesus in, um, he stopped a funeral procession around this town called Nain. And there was a a widow lady whose son had died. So she had no husband and now she has no son, so she has no covering, no protection, no provision, she is incredibly vulnerable. And he stops the funeral procession and he tells her to stop crying and he speaks to the son and says, get up. And, and it's in Luke and Luke ends that little account with the statement and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Isn't that, like that is just, to me, that is a cool thing. Jesus, it, it is a power display, but it, it wasn't a power display for Jesus. It was, he was stepping in and serving this woman who had a deep need, and he served her in a really unique way, but he was, he was serving her. He raised the dead. I mean, he taught people, and what a gift his teaching was, because he taught people what God was really like. They've been, hearing, they've been hearing the wrong story for a lot of years. They had the wrong pictures, they had the wrong ideas, and so Jesus taught them what God was really like, and he showed them what God was really like, and he spoke to them about God, how God saw them and God's desires for them and what God was calling them forward into, what God was calling them up to. I mean, he just, he served people by teaching them. He absorbed anger. He absorbed anger. People were angry at him, and he absorbed anger as an act of service he challenged, he encouraged, and everything Jesus did, okay, think about this for a second, everything Jesus did, he did as a servant so that people could experience salvation. Everything, 
Every one of those stories that we read in the Gospels about how Jesus, how he spoke to somebody, how he healed somebody, how he cast out a demon, how he calmed the storm, like you think through all the, the stories that you know, everything Jesus did, he did as a servant so that people could experience salvation. So I wanna show you from the Bible like how I could say that with such confidence. Everything Jesus did, he did as a servant so that people could experience salvation. I wanna show you a statement Jesus makes in John chapter 10. He says this twice. He says it in John, he says it in John 10, he's talking to his critics. He says it again in John 14 when he's talking to his followers. But he, he, has, this, he has this amazing statement that he says about his actions. So he says in John 10, starting in verse 32, and I'm gonna read verse 32, 37, and 38. He says, I have shown you many good works from the Father. Now, just moving down, he says a lot more in there. And then, but he says to these, his critics, do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So he's looking at his critics. He said, again, he says the same thing in John 14 to his followers. He say, listen, I'm saying a lot of words. I'm making a lot of claims. I'm teaching a lot of things about who God is and about who I am. And if you don't believe what I am saying, you should see what I have done. You should believe my works. These are the kinds of things that the Father does. And you should, you should see my works, listen, watch my works so that so that you will know that I am, I am sent from God, I am the source of your salvation. And so, so this king who is, who is humble and presents, like he comes lowly riding on a little donkey on Palm Sunday is the great and eternal king who, who had every right to walk on, to step on our earth and demand to be served. But instead, he came as a servant, and his service culminated in the giving of his life as a ransom for many. And he willingly took the position of the table waiter instead of the housemaster. He was here as one who serves. So that you and I could experience salvation. There's, this, there's an incredibly strong connection between serving and salvation. The good news about Jesus flows most freely along the lines of the lesser to the greater. Jesus did not come and push the gospel down on us. He came and served his way into relationship with us. And so he's our model. So thinking about that and his method of ministry, and here we sit 2,000 years and a half a world away, what does this mean for you and for me? If we're, gonna be, if we're gonna be the kind of church that God looks down from heaven and says, that is a great church, we're gonna be a church who serves our neighbors, what does that look like? What does that mean for you and me? So I'm gonna give you five things here and wrap up our time together. Um, so the first of these five things 
is maybe if you're asking the question, who's my neighbor? Because we're talking about you know, serving our neighbors. So that's a whole nother sermon. Um, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you're wondering who your neighbor is, like, go read this. Jesus makes it pretty clear. Uh, it's a great story by a guy who, like, it's something Jesus said to somebody who was trying to narrow things down so that he didn't have to serve very many people. So who's my neighbor? That's the first thing, Luke 10, 25 to 37. All right, here's the second thing. We serve the Lord by serving others. We serve the Lord by serving others. And I, I think that's important for us to always keep in mind of, of who we serve. We serve the Lord by serving others. We're, we're first and foremost servants of the Lord Jesus. And so, so we serve him, but one of the primary ways that we serve him is by serving our neighbors. So, so we don't lose sight of who we're serving at, at either turn. So it's, we serve the Lord by serving other people and that's just, that's something to hold on to and it has, you know, people are looking at you and it's just not enough and you can't like, you just can't meet the needs or you can't meet the expectations or whatever. It's, it's great to be able to say, you know, I'm serving the Lord and I'm giving my best and my best isn't enough for this person but my best is definitely enough for the Lord. And it's also great on those days when you're feeling a little bit lazy and thinking, okay, in general, I serve the Lord, but man, I serve the Lord by serving other people, so I've got to, I've got to, I've got to stir up this attitude of humility and this posture of, of service in my heart, and, and here we go to serve our neighbors. So we'll just remember that. We serve the Lord by serving others. And here's the third thing. Our agenda is to be helpful and to be a blessing, to be a blessing. So... Um, when there was this, when our kids were little, there we had some friends, and their kids came over to play with our kids, and mom was dropping them off, and the last thing she said to her kids as she was leaving was be a she said B A B, B A B, and I'm like, okay, this is weird, and we're getting ready to keep your kids. What does B A B mean? It means be a blessing. I thought, you know what? What a cool thing to say to to her kids just to remind them on the way, her way out the door to be a blessing to our kids and our family. And they were, they were a great family, great kids, we're great friends. But that's, that's the agenda, that's a servant's agenda is to be helpful and to be a blessing. Um, servants don't get to set agendas. If you just, right? I mean, servants don't get to set agendas. So if you're, if you're setting the agenda in, in a serving kind of context, particularly if you're setting the agenda, odds are pretty good you haven't, you haven't taken the role of a servant. Now sometimes you can serve by setting the agenda because you've been asked to do that and servant leadership and that kind of stuff. But in general, we don't serve by setting agendas for what we're getting ready to do. So servants have the agenda of being helpful and being a blessing. And I just, one of my notes, if we we're saying what we will and won't do or how we will and won't serve, then it's not serving. If you're setting the parameters for what you will or won't do or what you wanna do um, or who you will or won't serve, that, that's not serving. That's, you're using other people to further your own deal. It's, that's a totally different thing than serving. So our agenda really is to, to be helpful and to be a blessing. This next one's important too, the fourth thing. Um, in serving, we won't leave Jesus behind. 
Okay, and some of this, like, this is all just a couple stories, one of them hypothetical. So let's just say there was some tragedy that happened here in our town. And so I get a call from some government official that says, hey, you're a pastor, we need, a, we need pastors to come and sit and talk with people. But because it's a government thing and separation of church and state and all that, then we, you can't bring your Bible and you can't pray and you can't talk about Jesus or your faith. So I don't think I can do that. Um, I don't know how to be helpful or to be a blessing by leaving Jesus back at the church and going into a different scenario like that. So we don't don't leave Jesus behind. But, so at a previous church, I was, was, um, one of the ways I volunteered in our community was I read the third graders. So on Wednesdays over lunch hour, I would go to the local elementary school and had three little kids that 15 minutes each, they would come out and read to me. And it took a long time to get through just a few pages. Um, there's a book I still haven't finished. It's, it's, it's something about monster blood. And I read this little dude all year and he couldn't get through the book. And so we never made it through the book. But I, so I went, but we, in that situation, because we were coming into the public school, what they had asked of us was, hey, listen, you're, you're here to read. So we need you to be here to read. And so we read and we weren't there to proselytize, and we weren't there to advertise our church. We, we, were just, we were grown-ups who cared about kids and cared about our community, and we came in to read. So what was cool about that was we were part of, like the churches had gotten together to provide this service for the community, and so the church had leadership that was engaging with the school system's leadership, and while Grown-ups weren't talking to kids about church or faith or Jesus or the Bible or anything like that. What the schools got, the administration and the teachers, they got the best passel of volunteers that they had ever had. People who showed up, who were faithful, who did exactly what they asked them to do. And our leadership on the church's side got to have really good conversations with leadership of the school because in those closed door offices, you can talk about faith, you can talk about church, you can talk about Jesus. And so while there was some places where we said, hey, okay, so for, we can't talk about Jesus here, but we're bringing Jesus to the school system. And so it's like, we don't leave Jesus behind, but every opportunity doesn't have to be some sort of proselytization kind of deal. We show up, to be helpful and to be a blessing. And it's amazing how the gospel flows when people are willing to be servants. And so we don't leave Jesus behind, but we know that Jesus is coming when we come, when we bring him with us to serve in our community. So that's the fourth thing, we won't leave Jesus behind. And then the fifth thing is just, this is just Jesus's words again. I'm among you as one who serves. I'm among you as one who serves. So if, if we want our circle, friends, family, neighbors, community, near and far, if we want our circle of influence to experience salvation, this is the attitude that we have to have. This is the posture that we have to maintain. If we want the people who, who are in our circle to receive the rescue that God offers 
the gospel, the good news about Jesus flows from the lesser to the greater. And so your posture, my posture is, I am among you as one who serves. I'm here to be helpful, I'm here to be a blessing, I'm carrying Jesus with me. Um, you cannot push the gospel on people. You can't push the gospel on people. It is not set up to flow from the greater to the lesser to be, like you can push religion on people. And you can, you can make people outwardly conform for a short period of time to some set of rules or regulations. But, but believing salvation is about the heart. And, and you, can't, you can't push the gospel onto somebody and make them embrace it. So the good news about Jesus flows from those who are willing to be lesser and treat others as though they're greater. This is the way that God set it all up. You can't push the gospel on people. Jesus never told his people to go grab positions of power, go, force, go make your way into positions of power and force people to become followers of me. What he did was he told us to serve. He said, hey, I've left you an example. You're supposed to follow in my steps. I, I did not come to be served. I came here to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And his ability to give his life for ransom is unique. But you and I can lean into and embrace this idea of I am among you as one who serves. And so when we walk out of this room or walk out of our homes on the weekends, at the end of the weekend and head back into whatever we're in front of us this week, to take this, to take this mindset, this statement that Jesus gave as our own, I am, I'm among you, wherever, wherever you are, I'm among you as one who serves. If, if you would do that, if I'll do that, if we would do that, what we would get to see is we would get to see our neighbors near and far experiencing, receiving God's salvation because, because of this strong connection between serving and salvation. Without the ser salvation doesn't come without servings. There's a strong connection between serving and salvation. And so when we think about what kind of church we wanna be, we wanna be a church who serves our neighbors. We want to be, we don't want to set the agenda. We don't want people to serve us. We don't need our name attached to a bunch of things. We don't need to be front and center on, on stuff. We'll be among the people in our community near and far. We'll be among our neighbors near and far as people who serve. And when we do that, we get to see really cool things because the good news about Jesus, the power of God transforming people's lives flows from the lesser to the greater, people will be saved. And we get to be part of that. So I'm excited for these days, for these opportunities, for, for the posture of, of being a servant and how that looks for me, how it looks for you, how it looks for us as we lean into this community. I think the Lord has amazing days for us ahead while we continue to embrace this idea that, that serving and salvation have to go together. So can I pray that for us as a church? Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? So first, um, Father, we're really grateful that you love us and that you gave your son 
for us. Jesus, that you would come not to be served, but to serve, and that you would, you would give your life as a ransom for us. We're eternally grateful for that. That you were willing, just a few days before you went to the cross, you were willing to ride into the capital city on a donkey with ragtag group of people yelling Hosanna. And that was, you didn't insist on power, you didn't insist on glory. You walked in humility to pursue us. So we're really grateful for that. By your spirit, would you work in our hearts? Would, would you give us your mindset? Could we please be people who have your posture of humility, who would say to our community, I'm here, we're here among you as people who serve. And would you allow the gospel to flow along those lines? We want our friends, our neighbors, our community, we want them to experience your salvation. So we'll serve them. Stir that in us, please, Jesus. And um, again, thank you. We pray these things in your name, amen. Hey, great to be with you guys today. I hope this vision statement is challenging, encouraging, inspiring to you. I hope it's something you wanna be part of, something you wanna grow into. We'll do all that together. We have really good days ahead. So thank you for coming. Thank you for being in worship with us as a, as a church. Um, it's so good to be with you guys. And um, have a great week on spring break. It's just, you know, I hope you get a little bit of break this week. All right, so here's how we do dismissal. Um, the ushers are gonna come in and they're gonna let you go row by row so that, you know, we kind of keep a little bit of space and semblance of order in here. But um, we have a great week ahead of us. We have Good Friday and then we have Easter services next weekend. So I love you guys. Look forward to seeing you as we celebrate Easter together.